you know, as an entrepreneur, one of the things I think is easy to forget is that how I deal with that person is actually others are watching. And if I prostitute myself, if I pander because I'm easily extorted, I don't want the drama, I don't want the upset, I don't want the possibility of getting this back in my life. Others will see, and you'll lose your credibility with your team over a period of time. Do you ever notice a conversation somewhat like this going on inside your head? If only these people would do what I want them to do, we would be so much more fill in the blank, so much more successful, so much more efficient, so much more profitable. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down to chat about this conversation. How do we get people to do what we want them to do? In quotation marks. Something we hear from our clients very often. Surprise, surprise, we have a bit of a problem with this way of thinking. So that's where we start. And ultimately, we outline a different way of thinking that we believe produces a more effective way of creating the results that you envision. Let's dive in. Gentlemen, so good to be with you. Adrian, how are you, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. So glad to be here. Love being here. Dan? Oh, love being here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're always invited, man. There's a seat at, there's a seat at this table for you always. Wow. Mm-hmm. As long as there's food, I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump into it. Um, today, we're going to talk about how to get people to do what you want them to do, because finally. that is leading, finally. right? Finally. Um, yeah, finally. I have the answer, yeah. too. Okay. The way well, to get people to do what you want them to do is to stop trying to get them to do what you want them to do. Well, hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. That's a weak, that's a stupid answer. <laughs> what the hell? Have you been smoking dope? I mean, recently? Not, like, not right now? Not today. <laughs> Not yet. Well, come on, Dan. Tell me, what do you what do you mean? Well, you know, there's a great there's a paradox involved here that we should talk about, mm. and the paradox is the idea that people need to be led. Let's put that on the x-axis, and on the y-axis is the active trait, which is people don't want to be led. So, and that that's easy to see throughout history. People don't want to be led, but they need to be led, and, and they only want to be led, or they're willing to be led, when they get that being led is going to contribute to their highest interest. And the minute that it doesn't connect with their highest interest, the relationship starts to unravel because they're better off alone than they are together with you. And that's almost a I think that's really an anthropological thing. I don't think that's psychological or even social, although it, it reveals itself there. I think anthropologically, we weigh out whether it's smart to be with this herd or that herd. Like, who do I want to follow and what's it going to happen for me if I follow them? Mm-hmm. Right? Even great, I mean, it's true about tyranny. You know, the I think D- Frederick Douglass said the limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. And the only reason they want to be, they're willing to be oppressed is because they feel like it's better to be oppressed and follow 
than to resist and risk losing their lives or livelihoods, et cetera. Right. Yeah, you get something out of it. Yeah. They get the perceived safety. And it's, it's one of the, I think, primary truths, anthropological truths, that why people say, well, you know, if the government gets power, it's hard, to get, if, if, if not impossible, to get it back because people would have to stand up and risk being ostracized, persecuted, prosecuted, whatever, and they don't want to do that, so they go along even though they don't want it, and they tolerate it. So the, the what's missing for me in this comment or this conversation about how do I get people to do what I need them to do or want them to do is there's, you know, it's pretty one-sided. It's the, the concern is on what you need or what you want. And, and what I hear you talking about, Dan, is that the, the part of the piss piece, part of the piss missing is <laughs> that what, what they want. Right. And, I, and so really what we're talking about is creating agreement or, or, um, you know, uh, inviting agreement with somebody else. And most people that I, I, I won't say most, a lot of people that own businesses think that the, the agreement that they're creating is I'll pay you and then you do what I want you to do. Right. Well, that brings up the command and control model, right? And and the thing about command and control, you know, it's like it's like an amoeba. If you put sugar down, the amoeba will go towards the sugar, right? So they, it's command and control is figure out what they want, try to give them enough of that that they'll do what you want them to do. And and then if they don't put a, a nice measure of threat behind it, if they don't do it, then they lose out. And that generally will have people move, but they'll they'll burn pretty quick, you know, and you're going to have more turnover and you're not going to get the most out of your people and you're going to wonder how come they don't treat your business like an owner. I, mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's the big thing. I, I want them to own it like I do. Yeah, but they don't have the benefits you have and no. they don't see that how they can have those benefits so they're not going to, probably not going to show up like you do. No. And if they if they did, then they wouldn't be working for you. That's right. Good point. They'd be they'd be working for themselves, most likely. I mean, the pain. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe that's the case. I mean, some people just want to be with a good team and mm -hmm. see it worth partnership. Yep. You know. Well, you know, it, and you end up with situations like I really, this guy's a lot of trouble on the team, but you know, he or she does a lot I don't have to do. So, you know, I don't want to shake the apple cart here because I might have to come back to work. And so I'm willing to put up with this bad apple because I can count on a certain level of productivity that keeps me comfortable. And without, I, I and, and the prices are, are not direct related often. They, I don't see what it's costing me, right? But it'll cost turnover, other people will want to be treated with the same uh, special caseness that you're treating the troubled person with. You, you just start creating all kinds of suffering in there. Like you, you wonder what's going to happen when you come to work. Then you come to work and you find out, oh, God, if I let this guy go, I'm going to lose that person, this person, because they now have bonded with this guy and they want similar things and and why not? Because you give it to them, you give it to this guy. So how do they get that, right? So it creates all kinds of resistance and and um, backbiting, a lot of talk at the water cooler, lots of pain. 
Yeah. And then, well, shit still needs to get done, though. Yeah, well, that's that exactly. And that's the story for normalizing toxicity into your culture, right? Isn't it? Right Because I, I just don't want to stand. I, I don't believe that I can find somebody that can do the work and relieve me of this having to do it quick enough, well enough, that it's just worth paying the price. So it's like living in a codependent relationship. It's a drag until you finally realize, wow, I'm paying a lot for this. And that might take years to discover. Years. And they often just leave on their own, and then you're stuck with that vacancy. And they might even take two or three of their friends where they're going because they connected with them and they all bought into the same toxicity. And you've contributed to it. You've tacitly agreed to have your people kind of work against you as long as you could get what little you could out of them. Mm -hmm. That, That made your life more comfortable without seeing how you could have done that on your own again if you replaced them or like what's you, you don't even want to look into those strategies so it's it's understandable how people get what cornered like that mm-hmm. yeah but i don't what i'm i'm gonna one-up you dan on what you're talking about people don't believe that they can get somebody who can do it quick enough or or good enough I'm going to say even one step further, people don't realize that you can get somebody who can do it quicker and better than you ever could. And be a contribution and 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 support the culture you're committed to on top of it. That's right. That's right. We were just before we before we hit record uh, on this podcast, we were talking about I don't think she'll mind us talking about her on the podcast, Bethany on our team. And we were all just lamenting about how good she is and how much she thinks about things ahead of time and how quickly things get done. But even when things are missed, how she owns it and steps right up to it with no qualms really at all. Just, hey, takes ownership. We forgive me what's needed and wanted here. And there's so many things I think both of you would agree. We didn't talk about this explicitly. I'll talk about my own experience. There's so many things she does better than me, quicker than me, like all of that sort of stuff and the addition that she is to the culture is like a huge gift. And that comes from, I think, the agreement that we have with her in the culture and on our team. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say my partnership with you and, a- and Adrian is the best experience I've ever had in being in business with people because I know when we got together, we've been very diligent about being clear about who we're committed to being with each other. And that what's more important than the business is the quality of our relationship together. And that's been, that's made a huge difference because I would, I know I would, I get, if I withhold, if I lie, like withholding's lying, you know, it's a form of lying. I talk and I talk myself into it by being a good Samaritan. Like, you know, well, I'm just going to give Adrian a chance here. I don't want to be too pressy on him or I don't want to scare Chad away. So I'm going to, give him what I really don't want to give him or do something I don't want to do. And then I'm resentful and you're wondering why I'm edgy towards you. And pretty soon we're falling apart and, uh, you know, and there's three of us here, right? So it could be easily, you know, triangulate or do that stuff. And we've navigated that well. And I think that's because, you know, we've been clear about what's important, what we're aiming at, but it's a big deal because my life has been more, I've had the most, fun, most meaning 
I've ever had in the last 10 years of my life working with you mm -hmm. guys. Yeah. You know, there's, it, it hits me that the distinction that in this training that we ran last week, Dan, with a leadership team, fast moving, world breaking leadership team. World class thinkers. Yeah. All high end. I mean, world, I mean, top shelf engineers that'll change space travel in America. But we showed a video that Sinek, Simon Sinek uh, makes this distinction between uh, he's telling a story around Navy SEALs and it seems like everybody tells a story about Navy SEALs. But there's like on the y-axis is high performance and the x-axis is trust. And he makes the distinction of um, that, you know, the y-axis performance is I'll trust you with my life for Navy SEALs. And the x-axis is I'll trust you with my money and my wife. So it's, you know, who do you trust on the battlefield? And who do you trust in your personal life? And his point is that they, they, of course, want everybody wants high performance on the field and high performance off the field. That's what we all want. They reject high performers that aren't trustworthy. Yeah. They would rather take a lower performer that's more trustworthy than a high performer that's not trustworthy. And people say that in shorthand, people say like, you know, no asshole policy or something like that. They don't actually operate like that on a daily, weekly basis because they you tolerate a bunch, a bunch of stuff. But I think the difference here is that, you know, I've got utmost trust for you guys. And I know that no matter what I do in my life, you guys are going to be on my side. You're going to be an advocate for me. You love me. You want me to win. And I mean, that, that makes the biggest difference is generating a personal connection. And so people, people, I think, cut off possibilities when they just try to do this whole like work life, life, life distinction. Yeah. And, and they don't want to create friendships so that they can be vicious at work. I think that's part of it. They can justify being quote unquote objective and quote unquote just about business. They don't take yeah, they don't they don't take into consideration that your impact and your choices in the professional setting are your own personal choices. All those choices are personal. And all those investments are personal. And don't want to get too close so they can just reserve the right to be as Machiavellian as as they want to be. And that cuts off all this possibility. And you know, if, if, and as you generate personal connection, then you've got more leverage to generate professional connection. And a lot of the people don't decide to double down on the personal connection. They just let it be objective. And we're just doing this task over here. Back to how do we get people to do what we want? Yes. Right. So let's talk about if you don't mind, let's talk about the anatomy of a healthy agreement. So we've talked about ways that we're making agreements that probably aren't healthy, often lead to burnout, disconnection, all of that kind of stuff. Let's talk about what a healthy agreement can look like with the people that are in your team and you're relying on or depending on to do the things that need to be done in order to provide the service and, and or product that you've committed to to uh provide out the marketplace. Where do we start with healthy uh, agreement? Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. 
And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. Can, can I go to the dark side a little bit first? Please, please. So I think Peterson hits this on the head. He talks about, Jordan Peterson, he talks about the dark tetrad, which is um, narcissism, Machiavellianism, which we just discussed, uh, psychopathy, and sadism. And he talks about how those are all parts of our dark side. And if we're not in touch with them, if we're not aware of how we might go to some of those, they'll tend to run us, right? And narcissism being one of the most difficult ones to deal with. The narcissist will say things like, well, they're going to want to keep themselves private. And there's nothing wrong with being private. So I'm not saying everybody who's keeping themselves, keeping a private life is narcissistic. But it gets to the point where they won't, they will use it as a reason not to give information that's relevant about what they need, about what they like or don't like or what they want or expect in the job or like that. And they'll tend to use drama to f- keep themselves the focus of what's going on. So that, that, that's a big one. And they'll do whatever they think is necessary to get what they want. That's the Machiavellian narcissist. So like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I want, and I'm willing to put up a ton of drama around it. I'm willing to reframe it, misframe, blame, shame game, so that you are constantly on the defensive and I'm in the center of attention. Even though I may not, it's like with enough drama, maybe you'll get off of the safety measures that I'm supposed to keep like everybody else. With enough drama, maybe you'll accept my reports five days late and, and, and so on and so forth, right? And, and because I, the person that's working with me doesn't want it. And sadism and psychopathy, psychopathy is just doing things that, that are pathological in nature. You can count on, no matter what you do, it's, you think about a borderline personality order, disorder. It's basically manipulating everything you can to constantly get what you want. Lie, cheat, steal. It's one of those deals where you make stories up about people, you lie about their motives, you, you know, 
And you, you don't find these things out unless you can get into a conversation. And if they're so narcissistic and they'll say, well, I don't want to talk about that, that's personal. Right? So there's, there's all kinds of just little games that people play to keep themselves isolated and the center of attention. So if, I, if I'm aware of that and I sit down and I want to chat with somebody and I want to find out what it's going to take to get to have them join the team, even though they're producing really well, but they're alienating the rest of the team, it's going, I, I'm going to be able to see if they're going to be willing to do that by their willingness to explore what we're seeing. Not, they don't have to agree with it, that their willingness to explore and then own and stay in a dialogue about it. Now, if they say yes, 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 and then go about doing the same thing over and over again, then I know they're not up for it. And that's something as, a, as a, an entrepreneur I've learned to document so that the point is they're going to work themselves either up into the position, into the team, making the contribution, or they're going to work themselves out. But to do that requires diligence in the conversation internally. Mm -hmm. And we have so many damn stories about, I'm too busy, I'm doing too much out here, I don't have time for that. Besides, they do something really valuable. Meanwhile, people are dropping off in other places, not producing, and things start to go sideways. The, that, the just making that one correction where that one person can straighten the culture out really quick. Most people don't see it because of all the other clutter and what they're really aiming at. If I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm really aiming at my comfort, I'm not going to have the difficult conversations necessary to produce a team that can generate, you know, uh, breakthrough results, high-performing results. I'm going to be happy with getting by, being good, not great. Yeah. Well, I think that was a lot of words. Sorry. Oh, it's no, it's good. Uh, I, I, to your question, Chad, I think it's good. It's good to illuminate all that because I think that's connects to a lot of the pain that people, um, experience in the workplace they'll call it they'll bumper sticker it and call it politics or something like that but really what it is the anatomy of it is what you're laying out there dan um you know to your question chad around agreements uh what comes to mind is actually one of our clients josh uh who we met him near the end of his time at, at hyperloop and it was too late in the sense that like the culture was set and we were provoking him to be a change agent internally. And when I say the culture is set, there were agreements in place um, that kept the dysfunction alive. And yet to watch him now in this new endeavor he's got that we're partnered with him in and to watch how he's very thoughtful, to your point, Dan, very thoughtful and, and wholeheartedly connected to um, not only skill set experience, but also attitude and contribution. Most, where do people go wrong? Most people are desperate to hire smart people and effective people. They're unwilling to fully examine um, the, the culture that this single person is. Yeah. And what they believe and how they act and how they speak and, and their contribution and their, and their impact on other people uh, because yeah. they'll just sell out. Yeah, they'll sell out to go get somebody that's quote unquote talented, but they'll just have this very myopic view of what they're hiring for. And when you do that, 
and you hire someone into what you think is a void, what you think is, um, yeah, I'm just going to take their talents and put them in the system and their impact on the system will be their talent. That's true. And what also is true is how they are and who they are as a person and what they're committed to and what they want and how they show up and how they don't show up and all these types of things. That's also actually the most felt experience is their their uh, relational strategies. And so so where do we begin with getting you know some solid agreements as you begin at the beginning? And before you bring people on, you get really thoughtful around who you are, what you're committed to, and you enroll into that vision, not only around excellence and, and effectiveness and, and you know intelligence and all those things, but also way of being, we would call it, but it's also how someone shows up on a team, what they want from the team, what they want for the team. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is it's this isn't a copy and paste process. Most no. Most want to think of it that way, right? The copy and paste version is... Uh, I'm offering this much money for you to come and do these things. Right. That's the cut and paste uh, conversation. And unfortunately, most of those agreements end up looking something similar to, uh, if you do these things, I won't fire you. <laughs> right. right. That's, that's like the progression of that agreement. <laughs> yeah. But, but, it, but it's an opportunity to get very clear on who you're committed to being for them what it is that they're looking for in their life. What, what, what are they committed to? What's their aim or, you know, their interest as you talked about, Dan, and how do the interests of the company and their interests align? And that's the place to start. Yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, as an entrepreneur, one of the things I think is easy to forget is that how I deal with that person is actually others are watching. Uh-huh. And if I, prostitute myself if I pander because I'm easily extorted. I don't want the drama. I don't want the upset. I don't want the possibility of getting this back in my lap. Others will see and you'll lose your credibility with your team over a period of time because they're going to see that you're really not about what you say you're about. You're really about your comfort. You're not really about them and winning as a team. You're about making sure you don't have to be too troubled. Right. There's a number of different ways to frame it. But the idea is, am I aware of the impact of how I'm dealing with my each in member of the team and its impact on the culture? Right. Mm-hmm. Do I keep that in mind? Yeah. You know, there's not it's not like we have agreements or we don't. We always have agreements. Just like, you know, when somebody's, you know, we're asking people about their vision and they say they're not clear on their vision. Well, that is their vision. Their vision is to be confused. Same thing. Like there's never, a, the, the bowl's never empty. We'd say metaphorically speaking, there's always a conversation around, um, around how we're connected and what that means and what'll happen if we keep or don't keep our word. There's always, there's always some kind of status quo. Um, even if I've not been intentional about it, that's the status quo. I don't care about agreements. We'll just celebrate gestures around here. So, you know, there's, so if you're listening to this and thinking about, you know, thinking, oh, I should get some agreements. Well, you already have some agreements in place and the agreement now is to not have them or to act like you don't have them. That's a good place to start is just to take a look around. It's like, okay, how intentional have I been around um, generating agreement on the team? 
And for most people, it's really anemic. Mm. Well, a lot of times the agreement's unspoken and it's, hey, let's not get, let's just make sure we nobody has to be, don't make, don't weigh me down. Don't bother me is the right. agreement. Mm. Do what you want as long as you don't bother me. Right. Yeah. The, the other thing I want to point out here is that a lot of times we look at these agreements with the people who are on our team like uh, a one and done thing. An agreement is like a, I, I compared to a plant, right? You, you, you don't just you can't just plant a plant, walk away. It needs nurturing, it needs care, it needs attention, it needs feet. You need to see the feedback if the leaves are wildering. Yeah, you know, maybe it's getting too little water or too much water. I mean, there's there, maybe there's not nutrients in the soil. That's the same way that these agreements, in a healthy context, in an opportunity to like actually create something meaningful together. That's the same way we've got to look at these agreements is what's needed and wanted in this moment. How do we need to revisit the agreement that we have with each other and, and pay attention to the feedback that we're getting from the performance, the results, the language, all of the, you know, whatever. It's interesting you say that because I, I can imagine there's some entrepreneurs listening going, what do you mean agreements? You know, we didn't, we didn't make any verbal agreements. We don't realize that we're making agreements. They're just tacit. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm if i late and you don't say anything, you've now agreed that it's okay for me to be late, even if you're pissed off about it. Right. The le- when we, you're giving, I'm giving tacit consent for the very thing I say I don't want. Yeah. Yeah, well, if people are doing what you need them to do, there's something off in the agreement. What do you mean, Chad? Give an example. Well, something wasn't clear about what we're doing here together. If 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 something's being missed, if they're not doing what it is that you want them to do or doing it the way that you want them to do it, either they didn't understand, which might be the case, might not, maybe they clearly understood, or they didn't see how it contributed to what it is that they're about, what it is that they want out of this, their, as Dan talked about, their interest. So if I'm noticing that, I'm going to want to check back in on our agreement with each other. What, you know, what did you think was expected here? What is actually expected here? And why hasn't that been met? Why do you, why do you not see the possibility in meeting that the way that we agreed upon it? And that's going to open up a whole conversation about whether or not they want to be here. Most but lots of leaders don't want to have that conversation because of all the shit they make up about, well, what if they don't want to be here? What if I press in this way and they decide this isn't the place for them? Then I've got the cost and the energy of finding somebody else. Or what if I don't know what to say when I get into that conversation with them? I'm going to look stupid. All I mean, there's there's a million different reasons why people don't want to press into the agreements that they have. Um, but that's where the gold is. Yeah. I mean, and what hits me if I'm positioning myself as a listener to the podcast and thinking about, you know, it's it's kind of farm league leadership to lead down. Like it's when you've got authority, it's really easy. And I could see that conversation, Chad, you're talking about and talking with like a, you know, somebody on my team that's not doing a good job. But the most of the power and the biggest pop comes when people fully exercise peer to peer, like sideways leadership. Uh, or, or leading up, you know, leading up into, and you can have the exact, what's uh, interesting to me is like, I can have that exact conversation that you just illuminated, Chad, with 
a business partner with, you know, if I, if some, if you work for someone, you can have that exact same conversation, which is really an exploration of, you know, the context exploration of the set of agreements, um, of what it means to work here and what they expect of me and what I expect of them. Most people tend to chicken out and are unwilling to go have those conversations. But if you have that conversation really well, it can open up a whole new range of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So in essence, I mean, I, I think just to recap, we can see here, if you're not, if people are doing what you want or need them to do, be willing to engage back into the agreement, mm-hmm. find out what they, what possibilities they see or don't see in what you've been asking them to do in their future in the business and in the aim for what you guys are up to. Anything final you guys want to add? I think what you're, what is it you're committed, what experience are you actually committed to have with this person, whether they decide to get up to it or not is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like the quality mm-hmm. of the relationship, if that becomes really important, then you're going to find out a lot more about what's going to be wanted and needed to either align the person or to support them in finding some place they can get aligned. It's great. Great conversation. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate you both. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.